Well, good morning, New Hope Ram. Glad that you're here this morning as we finish off our series called Prison Break. And if you haven't yet picked up the devotional for the last 21 days of our Daniel fast, I encourage you to do so. They're out by the cookies and coffee there by other information. But this 21-day Daniel fast booklet is stories of staff members from New Hope in how God has worked in their life and how he has brought them out of their particular prison cells at times and how he's answered prayer in their life. And so uh, the 21 days is a variety of stories from our staff, devotionals, and so I just encourage you to grab one of those on your way out if you haven't. And so today we're finishing up our series here, this is the last of it, where we have been looking at the story of the Apostle Peter and his breaking out of prison in Acts chapter 12. Peter recognizes as he's in prison that he has a cellmate. Regardless of where we find ourselves in life, we always have a cellmate. And that cellmate is prayer. Prayer always connects us directly to God, regardless of where we are in our situation. Our cellmate is always prayer. We are as well not alone, as we looked at in the second week, where God's Holy Spirit lives in us and is always with us, along with his ministering angels. And Peter recognized this sitting in the cell. Peter recognized as well that God would be able to, in his situation, break him through many barriers as he is able to escape. And he realizes as well that it was not out of his own effort, but that it says he came to himself, or he came to his senses, and he recognized what God had done in his life to give him freedom at this point of his life. And so this morning, we are going to conclude this series then by talking about how in this excitement, Peter had to tell somebody. In his excitement, he had to tell somebody. I remember way back when, when I was youth pastor at First Baptist in Cambridge, this was about 1994, 95. I was youth pastor, and I took a busload of people from the church down to a family night at the North Stars hockey game. Now they're the wild. It used to be, when I was a lot younger, you know, the North Stars, right? before they went to Dallas, you know, right? But I took this whole crew of families down and we went in through the ticket area and they were handing out these coupons and on the coupon, mine said Copenhagen. And I'm thinking in my head, great, this is family night. I'm bringing the church people, you know, and they're handing out like coupons for Copenhagen for like chew. And I'm thinking, what? You know, so I go up to the guy and, you know, I'm going to throw, I'm like, hey, listen, I just brought a whole church load of, you know, van, you know, bus load of church people, and you're handing out Copenhagen, you know, tickets and stuff to these kids. And he's like, no, no, that's not it at all. No, it's, it's a ticket, like an airline ticket to a destination, and in between the periods of the hockey game, a plane is going to land on a destination, and if it lands on your destination, Copenhagen, you win tickets. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, all right, this is a good thing, you know. <laughs> so I held on to my ticket, 
And that the first period went by, you know, that second period went by. And once you know it, the plane lands and it comes up on the screen, Copenhagen. And I'm holding the ticket. And I'm like, whoa, what's that? And I'm thinking, oh, you know, I must be, you know, able to put my name into like a thousand other people here at this North Stars game to draw for tickets to Copenhagen. And that's so they said, you know, if your ticket has Copenhagen on it, go down to this particular room. So I go down to this particular room and that, and I'm looking around and, and like nobody's there. It's just me. And I'm like, hey, where's everybody else? And that, and the guy's like, you're it. What do you mean I'm it? Like, you're the winner. Seriously, yeah, you won two tickets to Copenhagen, Denmark, round trip tickets. I'm like, whoa. Now, this, I mean, this was before cell phones. My wife, Sherry, was pregnant. She was pregnant. She was at home being pregnant and, uh, you know, didn't come to the game and that. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. I won. I'm like, I ran up, told everybody that was came on the bus. Hey, I won. You know, we're all excited. I just, like, couldn't wait to get home. I was just like, couldn't. And we got home late from the game, and she's sleeping. And I'm like, you know, like, we got to wake up. And it's Copenhagen. And she's like, Copenhagen, what are you talking about, Chew? You know, no, it's got, you know, we're going to Denmark and that. So it was like, oh, unbelievable. Now, Moral of the story, we never made it to Denmark and that because she was pregnant, so it, <laughs> it didn't work, but we were able to change it to a local flight. But I was so excited, and I wanted to tell somebody. And when we finish up the story here in Acts 12, Peter wants to tell somebody. He's excited. He's excited because he is broken out of prison. Now, if somebody breaks out of prison today, the biggest bummer part is like, Literally, like, you probably can't tell anybody. I mean, you, you can't just go around, hey, I broke out of prison, you know? I mean, people will call you in, right? It's sort of like the pastor who called in sick on Sunday so that he could go play golf, and then he gets a hole-in-one. He's like, oh, I can't even tell anybody, right? You know, because I got this hole-in-one. So let me give you an update on where the story is this morning if you're just coming and just getting into the story. So when we start out in Acts 12, we find out that Peter is arrested by Herod and thrown into jail. Now, again, this Herod who is leading at this time is the grandson of King Herod who tried to put Jesus to death at his birth. He was a ruthless king. He murdered his wife, his three sons, his mother-in-law, and his uncle because he didn't want anybody else vying for his kingship. This Herod was also the nephew of the Herod who cut the head off of John the Baptist and also brought Jesus to trial. So this Herod was ruthless as well. And so he arrests Peter, throws him into jail. In verse 2 of Acts 12, we read that this Herod already put to death by the sword James, the brother of John, he realized that the Jews really liked that, and his political poll went up, his ratings went up, and he realized, man, if I could get Peter, who is leading this new church, and I could put him to death, man, my political ranking will go through the roof. So he arrests Peter with the idea of bringing him to trial and obviously just executing him. And so he needs to wait for one week, though, until the Passover is done. And we read in Acts 12.5 that something is happening 
during that one week. And what's happening is, it says they, the church, is praying for Peter. The word used in there is the word fervently. And in the Greek, it means stretched out prayer. It's this picture of this rope that's stretched to the hilt, tight. It's a costly prayer. They just weren't doing this one and done like, God, get Peter out of this situation. No, it was a whole week of 24-7 leaning in and praying specifically that God would intervene in Peter's situation. And we see that it takes place. The night before Peter goes to trial, which pretty much was going to be execution, an angel is sent by God to break Peter out of prison. His chains fall off. Four prison doors are open. He gets past six guards in three different locations. And he is broken out into the streets as a free man. And in that, he realizes that, man, this is the hand of God. God did this in my life. And with that, he realizes he's got to tell somebody. I mean, he doesn't like, hey, that was pretty cool, you know, and just goes on his way, you know. No. I mean, he has to tell somebody. So we pick this story up in Acts 12, verse 12, where Peter then goes and tells somebody the good news. And in this, telling somebody the good news, he gives us a picture of the importance of the good news we have in knowing Jesus Christ. And so we see in this story, number one, if you're following in your outline, that Peter's good news is urgent. It's urgent. In Acts 12, 12 through 14, we pick the story up. When this had dawned on him, meaning that, hey, he was sitting in the street, a free man, he had escaped from prison, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. I mean, Peter is so excited that he has this prison break. He wants to tell somebody that he runs and he goes to the house of Mary to tell them. He's knocking on the door. Rhoda, the servant girl, is so excited that it's Peter that she doesn't even open the door. She just leaves them there and goes and is excited and tells the other people who are there praying. Good news is urgent. It should be told. We read in Mark chapter 1, Jesus starts his public ministry. And because of his authority of his teaching, because of his miracles, because of the power that he's displaying, people want him to stay within their town and their village and just to hunker down. But this is what Jesus says of his ministry in verse 39 of Mark chapter 1. He says, no, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages. That is why I have come. Listen, I have this good news and it's urgent and it must be shared. That's why when Jesus gathered his disciples before he ascended into heaven, in between his resurrection from his death and before he ascended, he gathered his disciples and he gave them his parting words. And what did he say? He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Why? 
because the good news is urgent. The good news is urgent. Man, you got to go. You got to go. Don't hunker down. Don't stay as the church. You got to go. That's why it's like, hey, take that card. Invite people to know Jesus. So the good news is urgent. But secondly, the good news is unreal. It's unreal. Because how did those who heard the servant girl, Rhoda, how did they react? We read it in verses 15 and 16. They say to her, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. I mean, they were like, whoa, that is unbelievable. You got to be kidding me. You like broke out of prison? Seriously? Whoa. Over the last three years, there's been an individual from New Hope who has been in prison for manufacturing and selling meth. And we've had a relationship prior to that, and we've had a relationship since. And so we're in correspondence. I just visited with him two days ago. And he'll be getting out in August. But believe me, if he showed up at my doorstep this afternoon, like knocked, and I opened it, and I'm like, whoa, this is unreal. I can't believe it. Like, you're out of prison. And probably I'd be like, ooh, this probably isn't too good. You know, but I mean... But, uh, you know, in Peter's situation, I mean, it would be unreal. But in, literally, if this individual showed up at my door, I'd be like, no, no way. Can't be. It's got to be your angel. Got to be. No way. Because it's unreal. I remember back in high school, I had a teacher for advanced composition, Mr. Mythaller. Here's his picture up here. And now... I, when I looked at the picture, I'm like, man, he looks a lot nicer than I remember. You know, and that's kind of thing. <laughs> but I, but I, Mr. Mythaller and I were just like this. I mean, we were like this and that. And, and I, probably not because of him, but probably just more because of me and that. And I remember that you, you had to do this big 25-page paper, you know, for that class. And, and, that, and that was huge in high school. And I was doing it on the physical and the psychological effects of marathon running. And so I handed in my three-page outline, and he gave it back, and there was this big F on there in red. You know, just this big, and I'm like, what? What? He's like, oh, your parallelism was all off, and it didn't do it correctly. I'm like, you got it. And we were just always like this, right? And that, well, soon after, later on, I became a Christ follower. I recognized who Jesus was in my life and how he could transform me. When I was in college, I was invited back to my high school to speak at a teacher-student prayer breakfast. And so I went back and I uh, spoke at this teacher-student prayer breakfast. And when I got up to speak in the crowd, I saw Mr. Mythaller. And in my head, I think I probably were like, unreal. Can't believe he's here. And I'm sure in his head, when I got up on that stage, he probably was like, is that really Berg? That's unreal. That's right. I mean, because I was something in high school. You know, I mean, it's just, he's probably like unreal. But I remember us talking afterwards. He came up afterwards and us visiting on how God had changed our lives. And both of us recognizing that, man, yeah, it's unreal. And we both sort of laughed because we both, Admit it that, like, hey, when I saw you, I was like, unreal. How could my follower be here? 
Really? And he's like, how could Bird be here? Really? I mean, but what God does, it's unreal. The good news of salvation, what God provides in our life, what he does is really unreal. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, meaning, hey, it's nothing we do. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's nothing we do. It's this gift from God. We can't boast about, hey, I did this, I did this, so I'm made right with God. I have eternal life. It's everything he does. In Romans 6, 23, the apostle Paul says, for the wages of our sin is death, meaning the payment for our wrong, for our sin, is death, eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Did you get that little line in there? The free gift. It's nothing we do. It's a free gift. That's unreal. It is just unreal. I mean, I talk to people about salvation, about getting right with God, about having their sin forgiven and all that. And, and they, a lot of times they're like, no, that can't be right. No. I mean, that's really all I have to do is like accept it, like receive it. Yeah, that, I mean, I don't have to do anything. I mean, I feel like I got to do something. You know what it's like when you pull over on the side of the road, help somebody out and that, and that, and they're like, oh, hey, let me pay you something. No, I got to pay you something. No, that's all right. Just take it, man. Just take it. No, no, I got, there's always this urge in us like, oh, let me pay you. Let me do something. And God's like, no, it is like a free gift. Our second daughter's birthday's, uh, I think, a week from today and that, but we're actually celebrating on the 22nd. We're going to go snowboarding and skiing as a family and that, but we're going to give her some gifts. We're going to give her some gifts and that, but after I give her these gifts, I'm not going to say, oh, hey, honey, here's the receipts. You know, just pay us when you can, you know. She'd be like, wow, wow, it's my birthday. You know, I thought like, you know, they'd be like free, you know. I mean, it's ludicrous, right? I mean, it, this past Christmas, when your kids opened the gifts, you didn't like, hey, uh, pay me back. You know, I'm keeping a ledger here. Pay me back when you can. You know, when you graduate from college, get a good job. I'm just keeping track of everything. No, it's a free gift. What's our responsibility that's so unreal? It's just basically receive it. Receive the gift. And so Peter finds himself in this prison break, a free man. And so this good news is so urgent. But yet this good news is like unreal because even the people, as he was knocking on the door, they didn't believe it. You're out of your mind. And that's how the world believes today, that you're out of your mind. You mean that's all I have to do? All the other world religions, it is what we do. All the other world religions, it is what we do. But when it comes to Christianity, it's what he already did what he already did. And so the good news is urgent. The good news is unreal. But thirdly, the good news is understood. What does it say in Acts 12, the first part of 17? Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. He told his story specifically, with specifics. He described it. What God had done in his life. You guys, I was in prison. I had two Roman soldier guards on each side of me. I was in chains. This angel shows up. My chains fell off. I walked through four 
closed prison gates that were opened before me. I walked past six, two sets, three sets of two Roman guards to break out. I mean, it was amazing. And it was like, they didn't even know I was there. And I broke, I mean, he was just describing this in detail to them, telling what God had done. I mean, you know what it's like to share a story in detail. I mean, if, if you've ever listened to a fisherman, you know, who, who is telling about their great catch, I mean, they tell it in detail. They're not like, oh yeah, I went out, casted, and man, pulled in this 52-inch muskie. It was amazing. No, I mean, they're like in detail. You know, like, I got up at about 5.30 in the morning. Just something, something seemed right. Something was going to happen. You know, I had a bagel with some blueberry cream cheese, you know, covering, you know, I had a, a light roast with a little, uh, you know, milk in there and stuff. And I was driving down to the, the launch for my boat and that there was just this light, just haze and fog over the lake. Just calling. It just felt like this was the day, you know, and you're thinking like, all right, get to the story. I mean, it's just like, you know, they tell it in detail. I mean, it's a long, detailed story. And Peter gives us this picture, man. Good news is urgent. Good news is this. It's unreal. It's unreal. But it should be understood. Man, when God does something in your life, tell it in detail. Give the specifics on what he has done. As we close this Daniel fast, this 21 days of sacrificing, giving up, believing God is going to move in our lives in mighty ways. As he does that, tell your story to others and do it in detail. Share it. And so the good news is urgent. The good news is like unreal. The good news is understood. But lastly, the good news is universal. It's for everybody. It says in Acts 12, 17, the last part, Peter says this, tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. He was going to go to tell other people. But what does he say? Hey, don't keep it to yourself. He didn't keep it to himself. He ran and he told the good news of what God had done in his life. And then he says, hey, tell James, share it with the other brothers and sisters as well. Why? Because it's universal. It is for everybody. Again, that's why we've given you invite cards because the good news of Jesus, a relationship with him, his transformation of our lives is for everybody in Bram and beyond. Everybody. So what is it this morning that God has done in your life that is good news, that is urgent? What has he done in your life that is just unreal and that others have to understand it and you need to tell them? What is it that he's done that he's saying, hey, this is universal. It's not something to just hold on to but it's something to proclaim to other people. I encourage you to tell it, to share it. In Acts 1.8, Jesus calls out his church, and he says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you in power, and then you are to be my witnesses. What does a witness do? They tell the story, right? This is what I saw. This is what occurred. 
this is what happened. And Jesus said, you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which for you would be Bram. Or if you're from Mora, it would be Mora. In Judea, a little farther out, in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. When we have good news, when God has broken us out of our prison cell, transformed our lives, answered a prayer, made us a new person, he says that good news is urgent. That good news is unreal. It should be understood by others, and it's universal. And we should go out and share it. And so I encourage you and challenge you to go and to share the good news of what God has done in your life with others. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this series. We thank you for this picture of Peter's prison break and how relevant it is to our lives and how at times we're stuck in a prison cell. Maybe it's an illness or maybe it's depression. Maybe it's a rough relationship as Cleta shared. Maybe it's an identity issue of who we are. But Lord, you have come and you desire to break us out of these prison cells. To transform our lives and to put us in a position to fulfill the purpose that you have created us for to live life to the full. And so I pray for each one here this morning, your favor and anointing over them. And Lord God, that you would work mightily in their lives. In your holy name, amen.